I'm a fire sign, but so thirsty I should be water. <laughs> Get in line, Ms. Frankel. I've been reckoning with my reality for ages. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode 447. There's truly no one I would rather have this conversation with than this person back on the People's People's Couch. You know him as director of social for entertainment at Betches Media, host of the amazing podcast Mention It All, and creator of Bravo by Betches, an Instagram destination. Welcome back to Andy's Girls fellow Bethany translator, soothsayer, witness to history, Dylan Hafer. Dylan, how are we? As well as can be. <laughs> I I think witness feels like a witness. great word because mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily what I've witnessed or what well, I what we are witnessing. Yeah. But we're here to document and <laughs> interpret as best we're able um and i feel like after a few long days and nights we've emerged from the cave of the um (sighs) bethany and rachel interview and we're thriving i mean it's like that movie it which i haven't seen but have wikipedia it feels Mm -hmm. like we're like looking into some sort of dark space and then this like clown just drags us in and destroys us forever. Right. Like you see the little So it's been great. You see the eyes glowing in the dark <laughs> and you're like, well that can't that can't be good. But I'm gonna press play anyway. <laughs> and then, you know, you get several minutes of commercials and then God bless. And then you're you're strapped in and listening to all three parts. I did listen to all three parts on like 1.3 audio speed, which I recommend only because it saves you time, but maybe is then more detrimental in terms of your sanity. So yeah. I, I don't I don't know about that. Were you able to like understand everything when it was going that quickly? Because she talks. She's a little quickie. The thing about Bethany is that I don't think she, she doesn't actually talk that fast. She Doesn't like she? it feels like I'm being she like shat on or <laughs> run over. Shat on. <laughs> She does this thing where she kind of bombards with noise or like like sounds, mm-hmm. but I don't think because it's a lot of like, and then and then you go and then then you have the thing the thing and then uh, you know reality 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 like she she repeats herself and kind of like talks in a circle. It's a little I I I hate to invoke the name. It's a little. Trumpian almost sometimes. People keep saying that and I keep pretending not to read it. Honestly, it's too much for me. Like not not in the sense like I I don't think Bethany Frankel is like a- approaching the level content wise of mm-hmm. of that, but like she's not yet president is what you're saying, but it's in her 5-year plan. <laughs> fellow apprentice <laughs> people um but she like she sort of her syntax gives that a little bit just where she kind of is like stringing and piecing and building and flowing in a way that leaves you with the impression that she's said something (sighs) real but like I think if you saw a transcript of her talking it would be like a little unintelligible I think it's honestly her strategy with these podcast episodes are better when she's with Rachel than when she's alone because she did put out a response today 
I guess, or late last night today, which I listened to and I'll maybe talk about it in a future episode. Um, but it's it's a lot. I mean, her the language and just visceral sort of like bitterness that she seems to have against the audience and against people who might have follow-up questions is very, very hard to digest. And it just doesn't, I mean, LOL, it there are elements, this is the dumbest thing I'll say today. So welcome to Annie's Girls. But like, there are elements where I'm thinking like, Rachel, this is a person you want to be aligned with. <laughs> like, It's like, when we're coming to the table saying empathy first, and she's, and Bethany is saying like, really particularly shitty things to commenters on her post, noting that a lot of those commenters are coming to her with critique. The mm-hmm. way that she is just saying, she said to one person, I reposted it, they were like, you know, I uh, sharing why the Rachel of it all is triggering to them because they had a friend who sort of crossed boundaries with them prior. And Bethany's response to that was like, oh, so you're also an abuser. I mean, she's saying mm-hmm. these things that are like, <laughs> really, I just look at it. And I'm like, you're supposed you want us to take you seriously. But the problem is, if we take you seriously, it does not reflect well on what what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. And I think with Bethany, I mean, this is something that I've thought about and talked about over the course of however long she's been on her, um, you know, post housewives, TikTok producer, mogul, podcaster, whatever, you know, convoluted journey she's been on the last couple of years. But like, I feel like this latest chapter of like, labor organizer slash I don't like does she want to be Diane Sawyer like it there are it feels like she kind of has these ideas of moving into whatever phase that she is in right now and it's like I don't actually think she's conducting herself in a way that really is conducive to like progress or healing or growing and or community learning there's no community here yeah and I think you know, if you want to be the person who is, you know, wrapping your arms around this big messed up industry and trying to create a better environment and future and, you know, treatment and payment and all of this stuff, like, you need to be somebody who can inspire, inspire and like, be the be the voice for a lot of these people. And I just don't think the way that Bethany is going about this is something that is going to convince a lot of people to join the fight like under her. Because even like, we, I mean, we saw like Heidi and Spencer going on TikTok last week and being like, we're not involved with any like reality union people, you know, any network can hire us and pay us whatever they want and exploit us however they want, like LOL. And it's like, yeah, like Heidi and Spencer are kind of have made careers out of being trolls a little bit. But I do think that's something where like, if you want this to actually pick up steam and you're sending, you know, you're hiring these high power attorneys and sending these letters, which I, I imagine we'll talk about, like, get your shit together. And I don't understand why she thinks that commenting nasty things to people on Instagram who have, I think, pretty fair questions after this interview is like helping her cause. 
Well, it, her cause is us versus them. And the us used to be Bethany and now it's Bethany and Rachel and then them is everyone else. And I just think from she's not she's thinking about it as a media personality and someone who's been extremely, extremely successful at getting attention. <clears throat> she looks and seeks attention because it in many ways helps her business and brand to be a topic of conversation, especially mm -hmm. if she's not on TV consistently. But the flip side of that is the us versus them now includes a lot of people in the audience as a part of the them. It includes the majority of the cast of Vanderpump Rules, except for Rachel, as a them. It's like, are we trying to get people to do better or are we just trying to be an ear to someone talking shit? Like it's yeah. when she says and she dismisses people and she ridicules them for not also being on reality TV. I mean, by her own narrative, wouldn't your response to someone who is just a commenter on social media? Why are you mocking that they weren't on reality TV? You could argue they made better choices to not be on reality TV, yeah. owing to the narrative that Bethany is setting about what an incredibly toxic and dangerous place it could be. And she went on, she did a, a PS episode solo that went up and it's difficult to listen to because it's viscerally nasty. And it's like, where is this? I get that you're trying to do something. But like, when you start something based on anger and rage, that's very hard to continue with that feeling while she also notes that like this isn't about Andy it's not about Bravo but the people that she's seeking out the legal strategy she says she's not involved in any of that letter stuff she just like onboarded um Brian Friedman who then onboarded Mark Garrigus like the sending the next round of letters that then became public it's it's targeting NBC it's targeting mm -hmm. Bravo it's using examples uh, seemingly of Bravo Lebs She's naming her own experiences, but when you're ridiculing people and saying, well, if you dislike me, just keep talking because the podcast is number one, what's the point here? I thought the point here was to get people's attention. Right. And I think when you talk about the us versus them and sort of who's starting to be lumped into which category, she should be making an effort to make the viewers understand and like she should want us to be upset about what we're hearing and have strong feelings about wanting there to be these protections in place and the way that she's going about it it feels like she's pushing people away and you know if if more and more people say uh, i don't know how i feel about watching housewives or i think i might cancel peacock or i might you know no one is saying not I'll, go to broad that's that, majority that's not happening exactly and that's right. what i'm saying is that if she really wants this to be a movement and not just an episode a moment, right <laughs> she should be trying to onboard as many people as possible across the country whether they're on reality tv watch reality tv you know think think have certain misconceptions or their minds are being changed like she should be hurting as many people as she can get into the fences because then that's when Bravo is actually going to feel like, oh, this is affecting our bottom line or this is, you know, really becoming something that we can't ignore. Whereas right now it's like, it kind of just seems like a lady with a grudge. And that's not, that's not to discount the experiences that some people have had making these shows because I certainly think there are situations and things like that that sound really rough and even some of the stuff that 
Rachel dealt with on Vanderpump Rules. Like, yeah, if Bravo punished her for speaking to TMZ by saying she no longer got to have a mental health professional on hand at the reunion, that's not a good system. And like that, that's the kind of thing where it's almost like you're, you're weakening the, the parts of your argument that really have potential by tacking on all this other stuff, the nastiness, and even just the the parts of the interview that just don't add up or don't make sense. It's like when when Raquel's like, I feel like my my Andy violated HIPAA. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> well, that's the thing is that she's saying that she is essentially the one to do this and is fake, facing consequences because of all of the work. But why isn't some of the work, if you're talking about like legal aspects here, even while she repeatedly says that she's not involved in any potential lawsuit, I mean, she might not be a signatory on it. She might not be a plaintiff, but there is a narrative here that's working in sync. It's because she sought out lawyers that this mechanism is now kind of in process. And the lack of um, interest in clarifying information Mm -hmm. and like the lack of it's just like total stream of consciousness, which God bless, this is a podcast. It's total stream of consciousness in many ways. But fuck, I'm not leading any kind of progressive campaign or campaign for social good or legal strategy. If I was, I would be thinking about, wow, is that thing that that person said true? And if I'm making accusations about Andy as an employer, is that factually correct? Like, I thought the whole point of this was that the truth matters. Like, what's the difference between truth and fact? I'm finding discrepancies. Well, everybody has a truth, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) And if it's my truth, then that's that's my truth. And you can't take away my truth. And, you know, it's it's giving like Yolanda Hadid a little bit. It's mm. like, it's my Believe truth. Believe me. Believe <laughs> me. Bye, Bethany Frankel. <laughs> no, but I think one of the one of the big sticking points for me that I think is um is kind of fascinating in this whole thing is the idea of who gets paid for what. And specifically in this case, um, whether Rachel is being paid anything for Bethany's um, number one podcast in the world, millions of downloads status this past week. And um, Bethany is uh, being a little bit vague, cagey when it comes to that. That's something that she's also gotten a lot of comments about. And she's basically, she's responded to some of those comments saying like that, you know, people don't know what they're talking about. Coming or soon, more to come. More to come, you know, those types of things. And it's like this, I I talked about this on my own podcast, that it's like, if you're fighting for all of these protections and wage increases and residuals and XYZ from the companies that make these shows, you should be leading the charge of transparency in my mind that it's like if if you think the structure is broken and you're proposing changes be made i mean she's been on tiktok with a whole list of proposals of how she thinks that the reality tv industry should change and it's like okay so if you think it's uh you know an outrage that rachel didn't see a penny of the you know ad dollars or ratings boost or whatever from scandaval then like Tell us what pennies she's seeing from your ratings boost. And you can't argue the industry standard here because I thought the whole point of the Bravo of it all was to break apart the industry. That's the thing that – because I didn't really – 
totally get the ad of it all because I was thinking through the universe of podcasting, the vast majority of podcasts, it's a form of media where there is um, an exchange of currency and value and Mm -hmm. people can promote projects and podcasts can get listens. I was more concerned with certainly the number of ad breaks, which have felt wild to me, um, but also the strategic release of drops of making this into a three-part plus yada yada plus video plus bonus video and whatever else, coupled with the fact that exactly as you're saying, be forthright to say she's now posting and commenting and saying you're going to be so sorry when you find out the truth. But the reality is when this first was announced and there were initial questions about whether or not she was compensated, Rachel, someone on Rachel's team had a response. They said to ET, Rachel wasn't paid for her interview with Bethany. Bethany offered her an unedited long form platform where she could speak freely. Rachel knew no other outlet would give her that freedom. So if we're backtracking on that, don't we shouldn't we at least acknowledge the fact that there was a statement that was shared publicly from a quote unquote source connected to Rachel shout out Rachel's mom just kidding I'm sure it was her press name that saying that you know that there right. we know that she wasn't paid and we're okay with that versus if Bethany says tomorrow guess what you pieces of shit she's actually getting a percentage or I wrote her a check and it's none of your business but it also is so you were wrong it's like normalize changing your mind based on new information but like normalize saying that you changed your mind right and that if it's you know if if it's our business to know that rachel made zero dollars post scandal then it also seems like you know i don't i don't particularly care like i i think that a lot of the stuff about the reality unionization conversation i think a lot of those things sound like great ideas and there's a lot of things that could be and should be improved. But like, I I don't know what the best money structure is. Like, I'm not, that's not my job. But it's like, if you're, if you're the person leading the charge to say you should be getting residuals from all the millions of hours that were watched on Peacock, then, you know, keep that same energy for your own platform. Yeah. And also like, to mock and make fun of other cast members for monetizing. First off, there seems to be a perspective or opinion felt that people were not good friends to Ariana by possibly monetizing elements of the scandal or coming on podcasts. But those people, her close friends who are also her cast members, isn't that a wild universe where that's actually correct or at least acknowledged by both sides? had permission from Ariana and Ariana herself was monetizing, which apparently is a terrible thing. According to Bethany and Rachel, Rachel took a step back from social media. She put up an apology, which (laughs) since her podcast with Bethany has come up, she's actually taken down Mm -hmm. her initial apology to her um, LinkedIn associate, Ariana Maddox. And I, there is the idea that like Rachel didn't make money and it's unfortunate. There could be a conversation behind possible misogyny behind the fact that, and also the fact that had she come back, she was negotiating a return, but wanted to be paid as much as Tom and Ariana and production, the network disagreed. So she didn't come back. And Mm -hmm. as a result of not coming back, she has decided she wouldn't want to in the future. She would have made a significant amount of money if she had returned. Bethany said on 
on her follow-up episode today, the three hundred fifty dollars or $360,000 people are batting about, which Variety confirmed as being the amount of money that Rachel was paid last season, Bethany is saying is not accurate. So Bethany is saying Variety was wrong for confirming that this was the amount of money that Rachel was paid for being a full-time cast member last season. Yeah, and- She would have made a lot more money had she come back. She could have tried to monetize this, but I don't know what the fuck she would have said. Right. And I think, I mean, the, the root of the monetization conversation, you have to acknowledge that all of the monetization opportunities outside of returning for season 11 of the show, which Rachel chose not to do, all the money that Lala and Sheena and Ariana and maybe even Tom have made in the last six months has been stuff that they're doing and hustling and creating and working on and like their side projects and their, you know, businesses and all of this stuff. So, Nobody is getting rich or, you know, more rich based on the success of last season from Bravo. They're making money. I mean, Lala got the down payment on her house from selling the Send It to Daryl merch, which, again, Rachel is mad about. And, you know, Ariana has another fucking cocktail book coming out in December that we just saw this week. She's going on Dancing with the Stars. She's doing commercials. She's working. And, I mean, certainly I don't think that necessarily... Rachel would have been getting the same caliber of opportunities if she had been around in the last few months. But I think that there are people who would have been willing to work with her. And, you know, probably for good reasons. Obviously, she was in this treatment facility for 90 days. It sounds like she really needed to get away. And that probably was the best thing for her to do. But in those 90 days, like, she could have found somebody to pay her to do a commercial. Also, what how much there everybody's saying that like Tom Sandoval made a ton of money from this. What money did he make? He, he I'm sure he made a ton of money in the negotiation for season 11, yeah, but no, like, I, he went on tour. The tour was a pretty big financial failure for him. Uh, his bar is doing I don't know what. I don't know what the future of Tom Tom's going to be. He, he, his value which was probably limited prior to this is what it is. It's he is his it seems like the vast majority of his financial value or financial earning power is related to continuing being on Vanderpump Rules because he doesn't he's not looked at by advertisers in the same way that Ariana is and to a lesser extent Sheena and Lala like he's not getting an Uber one ad anytime soon he is doing special forces on Fox he is doing special forces on Fox that's a good point and I think that's the kind of thing where like Rachel could have done that too. That's Rachel a, could a have random do- fucking Rachel could have done that villain show that Jax is going on. Like I think That's a good point. There is there is uh an avenue and even like there are pivots that you can make. Well, she's doing a pivot into self-help podcast. Right. She's gonna do like the, you know, other women anonymous podcast or whatever. Right. But like there No, but like literally, that's what she's talking about. Yeah. We're not joking yes. about that. That's that's a literal plan. Yeah. There are pivots you can make in your career where you say, uh, this this lane is kind of exhausted for me. I've burned the bridges there. Uh, I don't want to be in LA, X, Y, Z. You can, you can find stuff to do and there are people that are going to be willing to pay you. I mean, the number one song in America this week is another one of those fucking like Republican country songs that got to number one because of like a troll campaign. Like people are spending money on... You know, 
I'm not saying I don't know how Rachel's like political leaning. So maybe this is like a totally like, you know, something that she wouldn't go for. But I just think in terms of like the idea that everybody else got money and she didn't. It's just not quite reality. Like she didn't get money because she retreated from society. Well, I would say it is reality. She did not get she did not receive opportunities that other people received, including as you corrected and correctly so Sandoval was going on that random fucking show and Jax is getting a ton of goddamn shit and that spinoff that they were thinking about doing and decided not to do is moving forward now and is filming as a result. But there's reasons that she didn't. And also like it gets back to the idea of who's to blame and sort of the mixed messaging of having this conversation with Rachel because while there could be a conversation of how terribly she felt after the reunion there is also a conversation that Bethany makes fun of and refuses to have of like the reason that that rage was a part of this to begin with like what she actually did and her backing away from the idea that she hurt people or that there was um, an actual real devastating relationship between her and Ariana and also layers of that with Sheena is very tough to just kind of like continue because to many people, not everyone, but to many people, it feels like she's stepping back from taking responsibility because it works better for her narrative. Because if she's only a victim and not someone who also created a lot of significant harm it's like nobody's talking about ariana's mental health when it comes to and by nobody i mean a lot of people have but when it comes to like bethany and rachel and it's because bethany is leading it and she has a certain perspective that she wants to make sure that we're focused on which is her campaign it's not rachel and maybe that works for rachel too like Maybe this is a huge benefit to Rachel to have a conversation with Bethany because she knows that it's ultimately not about her, which isn't a bad thing for Rachel. Yeah, I think also it's crucial. Like strategically. It's crucial to, like, in that line of thinking that Bethany, a big part of Bethany's approach to this conversation is reminding us over and over and over again how she hasn't watched the show. She doesn't know who these people are. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't know all the details, whatever. That's not her concern. It's like it's beneath her to like know who the cast members of Vanderpump Rules are. And when you think about the the reaction to Scandaval as it was happening, I think a big part of the reason why it was so shocking, why it was so upsetting to many of us and why it became such a big deal was not because of the, you know, exact events that happened. It's because of the history, because of the context of watching 10 seasons of this show, feeling like we have a connection to these people and their relationships and grasping the magnitude of what happened and how it affected the ripple effects through every part of this friend group. And I think it's, you know, it is probably not on accident that after all of these months, the first person that Rachel is talking to is somebody who doesn't give a shit about any of that. And proudly so that if she was talking to, if, you know, if, if Rachel was going on any Bravo podcast, let's just say, chances are the person she's talking to is going to have that encyclopedic knowledge of everything that's ever happened on Vanderpump Rules and have like a lot of strong feelings about that. And Bethany has strong feelings about... Our strong feelings. Right. She has strong feelings about things that she is choosing to 
fixate on. But none of those things happen to be the reasons why this was actually such a big story. You know, she's mad about everything that was said to Rachel at the reunion. And yeah, like that stuff was tough and some of it was nasty. And like, you know, hindsight 2020, maybe not all of those things needed to be said, but like, if you're only focusing on that, you're missing the whole reason we got there in the first place. And I think that's kind of where Bethany's like point of view really just hinders her from being able to have like a meaningful, productive conversation about this specific situation because, you know, you don't have to be like obsessed with Vanderpump rules, but at the very least, like do a Google pretend, you know, like at least pretend to have the understanding of why this was such a big deal. But she doesn't need to because Rachel is telling her that she and Ariana weren't really good friends. And the reality is that Rachel's narrative is being treated as fact. And I don't know that that is appropriate. I don't know that it's like we need to you can acknowledge many things at once. The reality is like Rachel has a vested interest in presenting things in a certain way so that it discounts the feelings of people who most obviously Ariana had a significant level of upset about the betrayal that she felt um, about boundaries being crossed and looking back and saying, wow, my good friend was asking me about fucking my boyfriend while she was having sex with him at the same time. I wonder if those things, two things are connected when I rewatch this episode. It's like, if we're just pretending to believe everything that Rachel says now as we were then because she's learned her lesson, like that's all fine and good. But I don't know that... this is the person that we're trusting with the fact that she's saying that I wasn't friends with this person and this person did this and I did that. And so as a result, if you feel that I am more innocent in this or the reality is complicated, sometimes the reality is complicated and sometimes it's not. It's like there's a way she could have come on the podcast and been like, I really fucked up and I and maybe she doesn't believe that she was good friends with Ariana, but that counters reams and reams of interviews, social media posts, and everything else where she is establishing herself. She was a good friend with Ariana when it helped her. Mm -hmm. She was a good friend with Ariana when it helped her career. It helped her relationships. I mean, she was, you know, in a DJ phase with James that was in no way related to the fact that James was on Vanderpump Rules. There are things that happened to Rachel that she has had no active involvement in, and we're supposed to have a conversation about the consequences of everybody else's actions but her own. That's a difficult pill to swallow. And it's like, in I encourage people to listen to the interview. I encourage people to listen to Bethany's latest response because it's, it's, bewildering bewildering and upsetting and and it's just and it's strategically so and that is the conversation that bethany ridicules and that rachel probably won't acknowledge and it's like you know what there could be a conversation there about the synergy between a little bit of this and howie mandel where Tom goes on Howie Mandel. I know people keep comparing and I was like, oh, it's not really the same. But like you go on a podcast because you know that they're going to believe your side of the story. It's sort of mm-hmm. like human, you know, it's kind of understandable, right? You right. want to go for someone that 
doesn't have an awareness of the situation, as you said, because it will help support in not having responses or pushback or counters. And you're presenting your narrative and it's up to the audience to believe whether or not they believe it. But if you don't, if you're saying, I think this is more nuanced and Bethany's telling you to go fuck yourself and you're not a star and you you didn't create skinny girl and she's making fun of podcasters, including saying and people talking behind their fuzzy microphones like she done her latest episode. It's like, okay, well, we we are going to talk about it. We might have a nuanced conversation in the way that you refuse to. I don't know how this is going to work for you, though, at the end, because I lose trust. Like, I really found myself in a weird position with Bethany as like a genuine recovering Bethany stand. And it's like she the way that she's behaving. I know this is like a nothing burger or an LOL or like LOL, like truly, who did you think she was? But I'm kind of horrified by some mm-hmm. of her behavior and her treatment of just strangers who are like, just people on the internet, not all of whom are coming to her with like a go fuck yourself. She's just nasty to people in a way that is <laughs> hashtag not women supporting women. It gives me a little bit of a genuine wow, Bethany. Wow. It just makes me uncomfortable with um, her. The fact that people are going to think that this is the model, like people are going to think that this is how a person should do business because she's telling you it is. And I just think for a little bit of this, there's going to be at some point a a bit of a reckoning. Yeah. Also, it's rich for her to be, you know, punching down. She's punching down. Punching down at podcasters when, I mean, not only are we discussing something that was broadcast on her podcast. Podcast. (laughs) I think she also has a fuzzy microphone. It helps you with the. Yeah. I mean, her audio is pretty good. So I would guess so. But then. Not only that, but, you know, she's she's saying this stuff about this interview that happened on her podcast because of this reality reckoning thing that she is doing. I think it's safe to say because inspired by to capitalize on whatever the stuff that's happening with the strikes and everything that's happening in the entertainment industry right now. And then to build off of that, this interview is also capitalizing on this thing that happened on Vanderpump Rules earlier this year. And so she's kind of, you know, building up this thing and bragging about how it's the number one podcast in the world. And then everybody else is a clown because they're taking what she did and talking about it on their own platforms. It's like, this is the economy that you exist in. If you if you think it's so ridiculous or you think it's so dumb or so problematic or so fake or whatever, it's like go run your business or something. Like Well, she would say that she is. Go do go do something else. Because if you if you hate reality TV, but you also think people who haven't been on reality TV that have opinions about it are dumbasses, and then you also think that podcasters are losers, it's like maybe this arena isn't serving you even if you're the number one podcast in the world or you know making all your ad dollars or whatever it's like if you think this place sucks so much then like go somewhere else go to the hamptons and like turn off your microphone no what she's saying is if you think this if i think this sucks so much everybody else should stop talking (laughs) if no but that's like truly what she's saying she's saying i now own this universe like many universes before and if people have a problem with that you should pay more attention to the fact that i'm popular and I don't I I mean, I don't know if social change and organization can come with downloads. I mean, this would be sort of an interesting strategy. I know that I am 
exhausted because her energy is so toxic and so dark that like we were talking about this for a while because I'm dying. I was dying to talk to you about this, as you know. Yeah. But it's also the idea that like her it's it's sucking the energy out of the room like she should be on um, Dark Shadows. Um, um, FX. Um, what we do in the shadows what we do in the shadows it's literally it's giving me what we do in the shadows she is an emotional vampire and it's like (laughs) at a certain point i don't know she will say passionately the fact that you know if you criticize me i don't give a shit what i care about is that you're talking about me and i win at the end she obviously does care (laughs) by the energy that she's spending into saying that she doesn't it's just this is you know it's it's it feels almost manipulative to have to at every sentence be like, but I support people and want to see people be protected and think that, you know, there could be a conversation here. I'm extremely not thrilled with the direction that she's taking. And I, people compare it to her work with um, going into disaster zones, but that's not how she's behaving with this. It's, I wish she would, behave in the way that she has so 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 successfully in helping people who are survivors of devastating wildfires earthquakes she's not behaving like an adult i want her to be adulting better i want her to have i want her to be different and that's incredibly unfair of me because she continues to show me who she is yeah if only she were just um you know, showing up at the Big Brother house and giving everyone a cash card. <laughs> Here, here's fifty dollars. <laughs> now be on your merry way. That's how the union's gonna work, guys. <laughs> she, she'll just like do her rounds from like the Big Brother house to the Bachelor Mansion. To she'll stop at Sir and just like leave some cash cards on the bar, and then everybody that's your payment for the month. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. 
Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet wavy hair in which to get myself in order and that is why I love the anti-frizz cream it has notes of bergamot Italian lemon violet and more and it smells unbelievable truly as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents I put this in my hair and I feel great it also genuinely pairs well with my perfume which I appreciate I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. 
The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Row, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash andesgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andesgirls. Sign up today. It's so unfortunate. I feel like she has literally stolen a week of my life from me, and I feel worse as a result. I was so, I spent the weekend in bed because I was so exhausted from living in her universe. I just, I spent today transcribing her most recent episode and I had to stop. I listened to it, but I was like, I can't write down any more of these words. It's hurting my heart. It's breaking my spirit. Protect your peace, mama. Um, speaking of protecting my peace, we have to discuss the newest episode of New York. This is a podcast about psychology. And if we spend so much time on Bethany's, I think my brain might be broke (laughs) as a result of that. Yeah. Um, listen, newest episode, I'm gonna tell you what, I had so many thoughts and feels about it, but there were two points actually 17 points that stuck out number one is how fucking happy i am with this cast mm-hmm. i'm just like really into the energy and mm-hmm. also Bryn is genuinely so funny <laughs> and so quick and i just i think i maybe i don't know that i thought anything about Cy prior maybe i thought maybe she would break out a little bit more than she is but fuck me Bryn is like just a delight i just can't get enough of her she's so she was made for she was made for this and she knows it and she's so happy to be home and i'm happy to welcome her there you know who is really bringing sparking joy for me these last couple weeks jessel jessel tank oh my god every i like every scene that she's in there's just she's dropping just gems just absolute social inept (laughs) um (laughs) she she like she's you know saying things that are totally out of pocket she's she's saying words that she doesn't know what they mean she's being rude without realizing it sometimes she's being rude on purpose i just god it it just it tickles me every time i don't know if the sixty two thousand dollars a year was per kid i was wondering that Uh, but you got a discount (laughs) I mean, you do get a computer, so that's you worth get a, 62K. You get, a, you get an iPad and a Mac computer, Pavit. That's which, a good deal. Like a two-year-old or one-year-old or whatever. They're not going to care about having a computer. I was thinking about this this morning. Because They're going to like shit on it. Based, they, based on the, eat it. Based on the timeline of when she and her husband allegedly last had sex, those twins are like less than two years old. No, these they're are, a year. I think they're a year old, maybe. Right. Like these, I actually don't know. I really don't. These know. are not like four-year-olds no these, these are, are like babies these are babies and she's talking to her husband about the opera she starts talking to her poor sweet husband who i have such a crush on by the way i think he's so adorable but and he's like clueless but not in a way that feels 
like it's coming at the cost of his wife's emotions. I think it's just like his personality, which I think is a darling. But there's a point where she's talking about how like how going to these schools has so much opportunity. And I yeah. thought the second part of her sentence was going to be like for our children to learn. But it wasn't. It was so that you could have access to celebrities and wealthy people. It's like, Pavit, Tom Cruise's kid went there. Do you, We could be in that circle. <laughs> Which I hate to say this and shout out to anybody who's been in the New York City private school area, but I remember Avenues. I remember when Avenues just came out and it was a cash grab. It was like highly criticized by people. I think there was, I mean, shout out to Avenues if you, um, I don't want to come on was the podcast. School? School. Yeah, it's okay. it's the, it's where um, uh, Surrey went to, I was called okay. her Siri, where Surrey went to school. I don't know if she stayed there f- and if she's there now, but it was a very big deal when she joined mm. Avenues because it was this like, it was this new school that's like based on the idea of like um, celebrating the world and learning different cultures and different languages, but it was also like a huge, okay. canny, crafty cash grab. And it's interesting the kind of schools that Jessel is focused on. She's not thinking of a Brearley. She's not thinking of a Spence. She's not thinking of these schools that are like New York City standard, like the Tinsley Mortimer's of the world. Like the old school classic prep schools. And also both schools I just referenced were for girls. Um, So the, uh, I guess Chapin or whatever. I don't know where the fuck she would go. But like the (laughs) the schools for These children are also babies. (laughs) They are also babies. I don't know that, I did not know that we were living in a world where they would want to spend between sixty and a hundred and twenty thousand dollars per year for whatever is before pre-K. But it's it's just interesting, like what she even. It's very. It's just interesting what she even thinks about when she thinks of New York City society. This quote that um, our friend Evan Ross Katz posted on his Instagram today. Oh, tell me. Oh my God! They're asking for boards and organizations. Are you part of anything except for like the fried chicken committee? And he just goes, "It's the Street Food Association of New York City." Which P.S. <laughs> him being a part of the Street Food Association, I was like, "Fuck me!" Pavit. Like, I, think, I think that's adorable. Yeah. I just think that's like so. No, Pavit is like a catch, and He's she's such... like, she's like, she's like, can you stop? doodling around on your whatever and, c- and come over here and help me um what does he do for a living i don't know i don't know it's just charming but i she, have such a crush the on way him. she's describing these schools so one is a montessori which is of course great because they're like doing things and then the other one it's great because they have international locations so there's you know one in Brazil, Sao Paulo, one in... Is that what she was saying? I thought she was saying that they brought in cultures into the school. No, so I think she's saying that they have locations around the world and So it's like like, the Guggenheim for kids in kindergarten. NYU has like NYU Abu Dhabi and it's like, okay, great. Um, But she's like, she's like, they have Sao Paulo, Hong Kong, New York and he's like, okay, great, we live in New York so that's the one we need. (laughs) She's like, no, 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 Pavit, but they're like teaching the Mandarin and Spanish. Oh, I love so her good. so much. The thing that I like really am nervous about is that Jessel's going to understand that some of this standing is not coming from the place of us thinking that she's a good person. And I don't want her to do a Camille season two. I don't think she has capacity to do it. She's not surrounded by people who are interested in monetizing her reputation in that way. She doesn't have access to the kind of like wealth and PR strategy that Camille does. She's obviously they're doing well, but we're not talking like hundred million dollar divorce settlements here. I also think I... That might be on her bucket list, by the way. <laughs> I'm. I, I feel like if anything, I f- see her as more of like um, 
almost like a Dorit Lisa Barlow kind of energy. I hope. I where, hope. Where it's like I hope. she has these kind of idiosyncrasies about her that she probably couldn't understand exactly why they hit for people the way they a do. Blessing. And if she ever did, it would kind of ruin it. But that I think she genuinely just moves through the world in a way where I remember when I had um I had Jessel, Aaron, and Bryn together on my podcast, like all in the studio oh, together before God. the season premiered. And I did these like rapid fire questions at the end. And one of them was like, who has the best taste in music? And um, because I just think that's interesting. It's like they're not allowed to play any music on the show, so you never really hear that. <laughs> and she was coming for Aaron for liking disco music. And she was like, she's like, I mean, who who likes disco? Like you're playing you're playing like ABBA and stuff. And I'm like, Jessel, I'm like, ABBA is like classic. Everybody likes ABBA. <laughs> she she's just like, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to listen to disco. And it's like now seeing her on the show, I'm like, okay, I get this energy that you just have like these little like things that in your head are like, oh my God, no, can you believe it? Or like just just like the way she communicates, I think is so fascinating to watch. And watching her in kind of like snarky mode, like at the at the anniversary party, mm-hmm. watching the four of them iconic cut up during the speeches and stuff was like absolute delightful because those events are so fucking boring right and to see them uh, like have the experience that all of us have had at a thing like you want to die where it's like even that even like jenna lyons can't stand still and you have like you know like bryn is trying to flirt with somebody and you know sigh and jessel and you know they're talking about all the like somebody breaks the glass and she's like it's okay it's sponsored (laughs) like watching aaron's sister go over and chastise them for not paying attention during the speeches. I'm like, this is brilliant. Aaron's sister who is saying to them, do not make jokes on camera about my sister. This is her moment to shine. I don't want you distracting this episode that I've thought about in my head with any kind of side plot. That's what she was saying to them. It wasn't like you're shouting. What she was saying was you're making this into a you thing and this should be an Aaron thing. And I love the juxtaposition of her saying shut the fuck up and then Aaron's mom wanting to be on camera. (laughs) She looked like a fucking queen like i so much child. Like, hello i'm aaron's mom and Brin's like we can't talk to you oh, we're in trouble i was so pissed at aaron's sister for creating that environment because i wanted to meet aaron's mom she looked incredible she just i just wanted to like see and experience that energy but because her sister was like you're not allowed to film it has to all be about aaron which i was into because it was like so stupid i was like very into her sister yeah. being dumb. that's a good that's a good point though because like you aaron probably wanted the edit of that event to be like of course this is so beautiful of course they're exchanging vows all the other women are like oh my god it looks amazing in here meanwhile they're like googling what time the kitchen closes they're at looking nobu at, they're dress shopping <laughs> they're dress shopping because there's no goddamn food at this event for like the third time she doesn't i don't understand i mean i love it like, yeah there was a she's like yeah there was a pig in a blanket it's like <laughs> Siding like I'm a pescatarian. I'm just like, yes, queen. Like, yeah, someone needs to represent. Like it was she doesn't and she makes jokes about it. She's like, people like say I don't provide food, but it's like, sweetie, like that that event space was fucking huge. Right. I mean, like, it was enormous. You need to make sure. 
Right. That was the type of event where it's like, I almost would have thought there would be a seated dinner portion of it. And so if there wasn't, there at least needs to be like heavy, heavy heavy hors d'oeuvres. I mean, I've produced galas that are on a comparable scale. That's like, you know, I would think without getting sponsors, hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's not a that's not a nothing burger. So it's like right. But I you mean, need they were to over deliver like... on bars and food. That's all people want if they have to suffer through eighteen different speeches from someone whose preamble is like, "So let me tell you about how I know these two. Yeah, honestly, at, at an event like that, I really my my preferred setup if there's not like a meal is like you should have food stations. Like you should have past past hors d'oeuvres are great, but you should have one or two areas in the room where for most of the night there is some food just kind of living there. Well, you can also have heavy or I mean I've done I don't know how many tastings at Cipriani. It's like there's so there's so many dozens of options and some of them are extremely substantial, which right. depends on the it depends on the kind of event. Do you want to have an event where someone has to hold a plate? Like that's a genuine right. concern for people depending on the kind of event. What I mean more is that you it's don't like, want them to have if, a fork potentially, but for this you might. If the or d'oeuvres are only going to be passed no matter how heavy they are it's easy to miss them or you know if there's if you have a a a tray of lobster rolls let's say so cute that would be adorable but depends on the season probably not at this jewish wedding anniversary party i don't know that they oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) that just occurred to me um but uh, you know it is december they could have done latkes though that would have been a door maybe they did we just sure 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 sure. but it's like like, if you have a tray with 12 of them on it and the the last one gets taken right before they get to you they go back to the kitchen you might not you might not ever you might not see the lobster rolls again and so i think at an event like this, I just like, you know, it can be the same food that you're passing, but just have like a table somewhere where there's some trays that are anchored. This is why I love housewives. And this is why if there had been a strategy or advice to housewives, it's like if you are under the firing squad, just wait two weeks because someone else will act like a piece of shit, which is the idea that Jenna got dragged or there was a conversation of why Jenna wasn't dragged, whatever, 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 for not saying goodbye in the middle of the night because she had a work obligation then coming back versus Sai, who like straight up left to go to Tao, which I fully support. I wanted I wanted a pack of housewives to leave and go to Tao and I wanted for us to follow them. But if Sai is just going to take one for the team, I mean do it because she was really pissed at Jenna two weeks ago for not saying anything and whatever in the Hamptons. So I was like, I mobile ordered at Taco Bell and I got to get there at a certain time because I'm not letting the taco shells get soggy. I mean, and figuring out when the kitchen closes. Absolutely. I I don't know what day of the week 10 felt, but it is downtown. So sometimes they close earlier. 10 felt early. For a kitchen to close. I don't know what day of the week it was. I also don't. I don't know. I don't know the Nobu situation down there. Cow. Oh, was it Nobu? They were asking what oh time the Oh my God, it was Nobu. Nobu. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. There is a huge difference between Nobu and Tao. I should have known better. It was Nobu. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm genuinely being serious. Right, I'm like, serious. Right, like you're not going to the club. You're going to like get some You're going to Nobu. You're getting like crispy. You want like yeah. real food. Right. Nobu is where you go for real food. Tao is where you go for sort of catch. <laughs> Tao and catch are like very spiritually. They are very spiritually linked. similar. Um, <laughs> but it was just like one of those events. We we have digressed. <laughs> <laughs> but 
was just also one of those moments. I just thought it was like such a solid episode. And I really, truly, I love Erin so much. I love her energy. I like she's one of those people who I'm going to love her because she does wrong and mm-hmm. not because she's like, I don't know, seemingly a yeah. not a better person. But I just I love her because of her faults. And I love her because she's like consistently throughout. Like, yeah. we need that kind. She gives me. I know it can't be oversaid, but it, it absolutely has been. But like the New Yorker energy is so clear with her. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I think there with her kind of what she brings to the table, it feels like she has maybe the most kind of like standard housewife energy, maybe, mm. or like playbook kind of like, I don't know, it feels like she's watched the most housewives out of anyone. But like, if you're kind of following that, track Mm -hmm. and everybody else is doing their own thing a little bit more it makes sense that there are going to be certain situations where you're like you guys at my anniversary party really like because she's you know this is supposed to be her episode and so when you know when they're dress shopping and you know flirting and xyz it's like yeah you're gonna you're gonna get some pushback on kind of your what you had planned out in your head and i think that's that's where a lot of the excitement of this season is coming from is watching these women kind of navigate what they're doing on this show and how they're interlocking with each other and seeing the four of them at the party during the speeches. I was so sad Uba couldn't be there, but seeing the four of them aside from Aaron, like having this dynamic, it's like, bonding. it's like, okay, this is what it's like to be with your friends right at your other friends thing. And I love seeing that energy because you know, going back a, f- a few weeks on this show, like when they arrived at the Hamptons at Aaron's house, like they were really still feeling each other out. Totally. And so it's, you know, it's it's great to see the way that they're kind of able to like give each other shit and like, you know, give it back to each other and then, you know, make these jokes and kind of be rolling their eyes together. Like it's a lot of fun. Also, it can be an, an, a night that includes like the saying of the vows, which was like sweet or whatever. But also you had a list of like 20 sponsors on your invitation. So this wasn't like a holy religious ceremony. This was a sponsored cocktail event. You took full advantage of being on Housewives and God bless you for that because it was a ridiculously over the top gorgeous event. I thought it was chic. It was giving me some of the energy I actually thought it was much more kind of classic Mm -hmm. than Dr. Nicole's engagement party, which I also thought was like, oh, diamonds on diamonds. I was extremely into it because it was Miami. It was giving me it was giving me Miami energy versus what was happening in you. I just was like, this is you. This is like a sort of it it was a little corporate, but like in a way that was delightful and also. It's, I'm sure, going to be a topic of conversation on the reunion of like people shit talking her event. And that is exactly why I love Housewives so much because it's one person thinking that they're in a zone and it's other people who are going to mm-hmm. sort of drag them. God, I can't wait for this reunion. It's going to be so good. Seeing them. Oh my God. Because when they filmed this, they were really in such a bubble of being housewives. Like it was mm-hmm. so new. And they kicked off at BravoCon. That's not normal. I know. And like the, you know, so at this point in the filming, it's like, yeah, the cast had been announced, but I don't recall seeing like a lot of pictures of them during filming or a lot of like chatter about what was happening. And so we really are uncovering this with fresh eyes in a way that I love. And when you think about for the women themselves, 
this is such a new experience for them. And I'm, I'm so interested to see kind of like what energy they each bring to the reunion, because I feel like some of them have had a really just kind of like fun, breezy season so far. And for somebody like Jessel, the, the different responses she's getting or the ways that people are reacting to her, like that could really be, it could, it could give her a lot to think about. And similarly with Aaron and, you know, with, I mean, with most of the women in the cast to some extent, but I, I just love seeing kind of how people adjust in real time to this whirlwind that they're a part of. Yeah. And what happens to that when you were, when you know that you are um, not America's sweetheart, but when you know that you're a fan favorite, how does that adjust your behavior after the episodes where people have decided that you're a a fan favorite have aired? Like how does that, how does that influence your behavior, which people are also going to either criticize or celebrate? I mean, that is really the, turning point for any number of housewives, including returned established ones, the period of time between season airing, doing media, going on Watch What Happens, and then, you know, binging the rest of the season and then filming the reunion. It really can change a person in a way that the audience doesn't always appreciate where they feel like, oh, you're you're now you're giving me too much. It's like the idea of being natural on housewives is sort of ludicrous because it is this like extremely specific escapist environment. And yet we have discerning palettes, tastes, and styles as viewers. We There is an expectation of consistency that's not always um, organic to how real life operates. And it's like trying to figure out the discrepancy there is so delightful. Yeah. And I think, you know, watching people kind of have a shifting relationship to kind of their on-screen, not necessarily persona, but like kind of what they're bringing to the show versus if that's a lot different than who they are on an average day, or if it's maybe trickled over too much into who they are on an Mm -hmm. average day, like you can, you can really see people go on a journey. So I'm I'm excited for this cast to kind of like get into that because obviously we're still seeing the episodes we're seeing are still in this vacuum of we're just filming this show and it's not nothing's out there yet. And I know that there's a conversation around like the viewership. I cannot I do not understand for the life of me why they put this on Sunday night. I don't think I just think spiritually that New York Housewives is a midweek show. I want it to be a Tuesday, Wednesday. I just think Sunday is a nightmare. Yeah. I think also, like, I mean, first of all, the linear ratings really just, like, barely matter at this point. So I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, like, I, I don't want to say. That's not how they're, I don't think that's how they're, the network is gauging success. Because they no. know that they've got an overwhelming positive well, response. I mean, that's this, it's the same thing. Like, I remember back when Salt Lake premiered. And, you know, people have always loved talking about the ratings on, you know, Twitter and other social media and stuff. And, you know, the ratings for Salt Lake City seemed low or whatever. And Andy literally said at some point during the season, like, in no uncertain terms, like, we are very pleased with right. how this is doing. They have and, to be happy now. And I think, you know, the way that even just like for me as a as somebody who creates content about these shows and posts about them and stuff, like the way that people consume and engage with these shows has changed a lot, even in the last couple years that it used to feel like that live experience was a significant kind of chunk of the audience and was an important piece of figuring out like how to cover these things. And now it's like, 
I mean, unless it's like the Vanderpump Rules reunion, it's like, I don't think that many people are sitting down to watch Roni every Sunday at nine and that's fine. Like it's, you know, people are watching. I really don't like watch. it. I don't like it. I mean, it's the same like, you know, at my at my company, we do a lot of Bachelor related stuff. And it's mm. like the Bachelorette is on at eight or nine on a Monday night. And, is it? Yeah. And like. That seems weird. <clears throat> no, it always has been. Oh, um, okay. But it's like only a certain number of people you watch know, it live right like if you have your your girlfriends over with wine on a monday night and that's your thing to watch the bachelorette totally. that's great but like if i'm just catching up with this show when mm-hmm. i have the chance it's like why would i plan my whole week around watching something when it's so easily accessible and also you can like skip the commercials and xyz like <clears throat> i don't think of the ratings for new york as being any kind of like indicator of actual success because i don't think that's how bravo looks at it now well the irony is um when you listen to the new bethany like the solo recap is that she says that she's as highly rated as new new york that her content on her youtube series are is getting the same amount of viewers as new new york which i feel like is impossible i don't know that each of her videos is getting like 400 plus and four hundred thousand is just live right well i mean i'm sure she's well that's the thing it's like i'm sure she's only looking at whatever number is most easily accessible to criticize so maybe like her best youtube video has four hundred thousand views and she thinks that's like equivalent yeah i mean she has two hundred thousand subscribers that's nothing to yana that's a great amount but like i'm looking at her videos and it's like 52 000, 74 38 157 48 94 89 so it's like yeah you add all that up that's gonna be a couple hours in new york but that's not every episode yeah of new york. i mean why am i taking her at her word this is the thing it's like well, i need to stop doing that in, I, I, think stop was, doing that. I think it was part two of her interview with rachel she's literally googling in real time the Vanderpump Rules ratings, and she's like, she's like, oh, okay, yeah. No, she much. had a piece of paper. She was Google. I, I think she was googling. What was she? Oh, did you watch the video? Then I don't know. Oh, that's a good. I will she, never do that. But, I will never find out. But she, I mean, she. I thought I remember. It's her as if she. It, it comes across like she's looking up in real time. Like, oh wow, that's all. Uh, oh, the demo. Oh, oh wow, Bethany. Wow, like it's like, yeah, like you're not like the expert on these things. Like she has certain. I can't believe I brought it back to Bethany. I'm so sorry. Yeah, like Beth, I mean, Bethany has certain experiences that make her well-versed in certain things, but it's like, you're not a television ratings expert. No, and if you want Especially in 2023. And she does, and guys, I'll get to this on a different episode, because I actually really do want to break it down. She gets some stuff wrong about Below Deck and what recently happened, and this might be triggering to people, so I just want to acknowledge that we are going to talk briefly about the um, incident that happened uh, on Below Deck, so just sharing a little bit of a trigger warning before we dive in. You should know your information. She was attempting to eviscerate production for not stepping in when they saw what was going on and said it was only because of the captain that um, a potential sexual assault was stopped, which is like quite literally not what happened. And I didn't watch Below Deck, but I saw the clips and read coverage. I know enough to know that she is absolutely incorrect and she's playing into an argument that is going to counter the one that she's trying to make. And that happens throughout the course of the episode. Like she's still getting basic shit wrong yeah in a way that should really really matter right if you're trying to be the person that she's trying to be in this you should know what happened situation i mean i think honestly like that that episode of below deck down under that you're talking about is 
almost unique in the fact that we so clearly saw production doing what needed to be done to avoid a worse situation. And I think there are probably many other situations where you could ask if production should have been involved in a similar way. But like, you have to know the basics of that situation if you're going to talk about it. It's just like, what are we doing here? Totally. And it's also, it's, I mean, if she's going to be, you know, talking shit about podcasters with our fuzzy microphones, I... Better are fuzzy microphones and fuzzy brains. Well, it's it's kind of insulting that it's like, <laughs> well, yes, 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 yes. But like, but like, not just in the sense that like, what's your beef with podcasters, but also in the sense that it's like, you're so loudly and carelessly wrong. And that and you still think you're better than people who are like actually preparing and doing the work doing the work and i saw um kate kate casey tweeted something the other day that she was like i hope reality talent appreciates you know podcast hosts who actually watch the shows they're on before interviewing them and like obviously that resonated with me as somebody who has like crammed episodes of below deck before i was about to interview a chief stew of a season that i wasn't really watching or something but like yeah that's seems like it should be pretty basic and i mean yeah it's like whatever it bet like I don't begrudge Bethany not having watched 200 episodes of Vanderpump Rules, but to not read an article to not to so to be so like flippant, flippant about like, I don't watch this. I don't know who you are. I don't know who any of these people are. She could barely say Sheena's name. Right. Like you could tell every time she's like, so, uh, so Sheena. And it's like, yeah, it just is like, if you can't, um, if you can't read the recipe, get out of the kitchen. And if you don't, I mean, it's like if you can't read the room, then she's just going to set it on fire. I mean, it's yeah. just it's, it, that. Oh, God, the below deck thing is bad. It was it was a moment where I was like, fuck, like she's actually she should know this. This should be a key part of an argument to say that production did step in in that moment. But here are examples of other moments of behavior because she does also um recognize and discuss naked wasted and then she does also talk about the ways that she tried to step in or handle her the her production with um the big shot which she said was well received also when she was setting it up and i was like what the fuck well received according to who not not even the words big and shot wanted to be associated with your show like it was not it was a huge artistic creative commercial failure which is fine like we we can talk, but the, the way that she's right. still trying to spin stuff, I'm like, sweetie, like, ma'am, did you watch that show? I mean, BCC Maloxy on some of this. Like, <laughs> why are we getting that woman's perspective? Because <laughs> I think we talked about Maloxy the last time I was here. You were like, <laughs> thinking about her. Because every time that Bethany is like, she also said, like, I'm not a victim of being exploited because I know better was one of her strategies. And she's like, and I was also in a position of power. And I was like, speaking of being in a position of power and possibly exploiting people or dragging them through the mud in press because they asked to be paid probably more fairly or according to like that woman did she make a single dollar d- she never worked for Beth- we talked we've established this. that we don't know <laughs> but at least we say it at least we uh, say it lighting out the up the bat signal for Maloxy to come uh <laughs> come give us her her tea can i ask i don't want to really get into this which is the perfect way of starting to ask a question by yeah, saying like really do your level best with the answer i just want to know without getting into the nuts and bolts of what happened because it's so fucking dark and nuts it's and just bol- yeah, okay. very confusing do you think that we will ever see ultimate girls trip season four? Oh, 
season. And now, I say this season season four, which four has now asterisk. become five. It's like with the, the the so the BravoCon right. That's exactly uh, why. I was yeah. So ask. I'll so this Please. this week or la- last week, I guess Bravo announced the initial list of all the Bravo Lebs that are going to be in attendance, and it's almost every current bravo liberty housewife there are a couple exceptions like jenna lyons is not on the list oh is she not she's not um there's like one that's of the, weird oh i'm a, sure she'll be there yeah who knows but like i mean there have always been like one or two you know like a kid's moving into college you know whatever right, right, like right. but so that's there true. are there are a few of sort of like question marks mm-hmm. but one of the major things that was noted is that the whole cast of of girls trip roni legacy is going to be there and they've said it's premiering in december bravo cons in november it makes sense um but the cast of girls trip season morocco is not on the list except for vicky except for vicky who is lumped with orange county in the announcement but um Phaedra, who's returning to Married to Medicine also this fall, I believe. She's not on the list of She's people not? going to BravoCon. No. And so that was another one where it's like, That's surprising. even if they're not, quote, inviting the girls trip cast, she could be there as Married to Medicine. Right. Not at this time. Who knows? Um, wow. That's surprising. No Camille Grammer. No Gretchen. Was Camille on the track? I don't even she remember. Was. Was no Alex mccord wow no no caroline no brandy unsurprisingly right um and so yeah i mean we're kind of in this place where it's like i don't know what they would have i mean (laughs) if if none of this had happened they would have just premiered this season like in the fall sometime so i don't i don't know kind of what the stages were of making this decision but like i mean we're looking at each other. I just have such a hard time imagining them like fully just canning I, a whole I season. I don't think it should air. I think you don't think it should. I don't think, but I also I think actually back in the day I was closer to being on Camille's side after the Russell Armstrong than not. I did not think that it should the season should air. I, I really I remember feeling that. Wow. With this, I'm like See, I think I think if it does air, you need a fucking cut out. All all of the stuff relating to whatever happened that night and any kind of conversation between the members of the cast, which does not help with any kind of continuity, yeah. let alone narrative. But if they have if they're facing potential litigation by Brandy and or Caroline, who have allegedly, <laughs> according to Bethany, onboarded attorneys and she has some understanding of seemingly uh, Brandy's argument. I don't there's no reason for them to air this and potentially be seen making light or making content out of yeah. something that happened no i i i get what you're saying i think it's for me i think they're fucked i mean i just i don't think that they air it i really don't think that they air it yeah for me i think it really just comes from like a uh it's tough to wrap my mind around the idea of that whole season just being scrapped but i i don't disagree with you that it's hard to see the path the path if there are real and legal it could, potential yeah it it could make the legal consequences worse for them the only thing i could maybe think is that if there are or legal arguments rather if there are legal you know processes happening or going to happen like if there was some kind of settlement or something that happened 
before the season aired where everybody was might not be a settlement it might be a, an agreement yeah. right 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 but some sort of legal you know arrangement where everybody agreed that they were good with something I don't but think that's I don't know happen. yeah I mean it's it's hard because we've be- obviously this season that we have not seen this season of television so the only we've gotten you know various different accounts of what, what happened happens. or the circumstances around what happened and you know some pe- people seem to have differing opinions and differing you know views on how serious it was or you know kind of who did what and i think it's tough like not having any kind of primary source to go off of mm-hmm. it's like it's really tough to know like how to feel concretely like i f- i feel weird about it i feel like i don't know but i don't feel like i have you know any r- real like it's bearing so, it's honestly so dark when you think about it and it's just not i think you know regardless and that's a big regardless of whatever internal investigation took place by the network that if you have the two people who um one of whom left the show early the other of whom was sort of put in some sort of press um blackout by the network after i, I don't i don't know how you move forward if both of those people are consulting and and saying that there's a yeah. legal argument to be made that they yeah. suffered. Well, and I think, I mean, also just like kind of going back to what you were saying before, just from a television editing standpoint, it's it's tough to really think like, okay, so this is a, a seven-day experience where everybody is doing everything together, essentially, and all of a sudden there's just going to be like a record scratch... And I then you go to the next day and I, someone's missing. I bet you're wondering how we got here. Like, right. It, you know, I, I think it would be. At best insensitive. If they couldn't find a way to real, but even just like taking out the, the bigger, you know, issues with it, just from a pure like TV standpoint, if they couldn't show most of the trip if they can't explain why caroline's not there that is a narrative hole for them and i also think if you if they completely take out hours of whatever content they might have been telling from a storyline perspective which i would argue would be probably extremely insensitive how do you have what's left of the show and then do a press um tour about it how do you how do you put these people in front of reporters including cast members who are going to have opinions that counter each other that might make this a worse conversation from bravo from a pr perspective when you also know that you have attorneys sending you letters saying don't destroy any evidence and you know potentially referencing what happened on this show are you going to feed into a narrative that you know is happening right now about the dangers of being on reality TV and whether or not you're physically protected. I mean, all I'll say is you know that you know that it's bad when we're in month 4 of a writer strike and they have a reality show that a lot of people want to see it. that they're like never mind. <laughs> it's shot. We just we don't know where that went. I can't I've totally forgot Camille was who is it? Camille, Alex, obviously Brandy and Caroline. Um, Vicky 
Vicky Gretchen, Gretchen, Phaedra, Phaedra, Eva. Oh, right. A lot of people from season two. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't I don't know. I it, People can have differing opinions. Obviously, I just yeah. I don't think it would be a great idea for anybody. And I think you just need to can it and maybe have some of those people on a future season. But yeah, I don't we'll know see. how you even do I that. Mean, yeah, with I think with the girls trip thing, it's it's interesting because theoretically they could do these, they could crank these out, you know. Yeah, and they've, you know, they've kept this pace of like, you know, one every you know a couple a year kind of, mm-hmm. and so I'll I'll be curious. I mean, obviously they just filmed the Roni one in the last couple months, so it would be quick for them to be doing another one. But if they actually think that this Morocco one isn't going to be salvageable. Like it seems like they would want to get something else cooking. And so like, I'm, I mean, I guess on a, on a brighter note, I'm like, it's fun to think about who's going to be on the next one. Like, I don't know. And from a less bright note, (laughs) sorry. Okay, fine. (laughs) But Caroline, my queen, my mother-in-law went on Jeff Lewis recently and was talking about the fact that she has her, he was sort of talking around it. He discussed the fact that obviously there are parameters uh, around not wanting to discuss girls trip at all, but also um, acknowledging the fact that her YouTube page, she was like doing sort of like a food show mm. um, that I talked about with my husband, Chris Manzo and um, on AG 400. And oh, did she sh- shut it down? She isn't doing it. because She doesn't feel like herself. And it was a very that's really sad. Sad. And I'm really upset for her. I just really think this is a terrible situation. Um, and I just hope that she can feel a way to come back to herself and also be in control because that is also Bethany's argument is like, I'm not coming back to reality TV because I want to be in control of how people and what people see of my life. And I hope that if this happens for Caroline and she wants to return great. And if she doesn't, totally understand and respect her choices but i hope that she feels in control of them moving forward because to understand the just kind of like sadness behind that of like i don't i just don't feel like i can yeah i can be myself in the way that that people sort of expect is heartbreaking but um it's connective for i think for a lot of people as well um mm-hmm. it is a little bit of a watch what happens my god i can't believe we're ending on this and i knew <laughs> yeah, it but i also but was like i really wanted to get your opinion you know who will be at BravoCon? kelly Kaloran and <laughs> new i can't get enough of watching her social i still can't believe <laughs> literally looking at the tropical flavored jelly belly uh, jelly beans that are signed and in the office wow. that she signed at AG Live. Shout out to Kelly Corn-Benzimone showing up to, what was it, AG 300? I don't even know what the fuck it was. Showing up to like AG whatever, looking like a goddamn supermodel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my God, she was iconic. She was yeah. literally iconic. It was, she is, she's an icon. God love her. Wait, why is she there? Oh, girls, right. Girls Trip 4. <laughs> the, the, the girls trip that won't be locked in a trunk at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> It is going, that is going to be, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I've talked to several of them at this point, mm-hmm. um, including at the Jill's Aaron luxury um, yeah. heat stroke. And um, 
I just, it's, it's going to, I don't know what, I don't know what to expect, except that it has been clarified to me by several housewives that it is not Scary Island, but we have anointed it Scary Island, which is upsetting to Right, me. they're in St. Bart's, not St. John. They're in, it's pirate era. It right. is not Scary Island era, but I refuse to let go of the fact that it's Scary Island because we deserved it because they wouldn't bring Jill back because they wanted to give her a time My out. favorite tidbit about this upcoming season of Girls Trip is when I had Sonia and Luann on my podcast. I, I w- we were mostly talking about Crappy Lake, but I asked them just a little bit about it at the end. And they were, you know, they like said whatever, said a bunch of stuff. And and Sonia's like, well, well like, you know, and I, I had fun with with Kristen. And Luann just goes, you did? <laughs> Oh. oh my god, I can't wait. What a pop of color spiritually <laughs> it's gonna be to have those broads back. I'm really excited. I I At least she's pretty. <laughs> I have that gift saved to my camera roll. There's so much New York housewives on my camera right now. It's like my camera is hurting. It it's really it's in a sad space because it's so overladen with um all things housewives making weird grimace faces but um the one thing that i have to say because i've just been there's just been so much content a common is that i haven't seen the majority of crappy like i watched the first two episodes and i haven't had a chance to catch up and i really need yeah to. i'm a couple episodes behind but the finale was this week so right so congrats to them fini. and um, sonia called it um on social season one so i think there will be more crap to continue that's fun. That I, is they fun. should go somewhere else, though. Yeah, I don't think they're going back to crappy. Okay. I think that they're finding a new place, oh my God, a should... different lake, I guess. Um, they should go abroad. <laughs> I don't think that Bravo has the money for I don't think Bravo wants to spend the money. Imagine them in, like, the countryside of Ireland. Oh, God, I'd love it. Are you kidding? Sonia flirting with people with um, Irish accents would be a dream. Mrs. Morgan, you got to get off. <laughs> you, you got to get off the hay bale. Oh my God, Dylan Hefer! Listen, <laughs> you know I could talk to you forever. Thank you for this winding road, this path of all things great here on uh, here in the cloth. Um, can you tell the AGs where they can follow you on social, listen to mention it all, and uh, all that and more? Sure, I can. <laughs> no, it's good that we're ending now that the Irish uh, <laughs> Irish accent. It's an coming. Irish goodbye. It's uh, an Irish goodbye. <laughs> That was my Irish goodbye. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, no, you can listen. I was like, why is he pausing? <laughs> you can, got you it. can listen and mention it. it all wherever you get your Andes girls. Um, normally do three episodes a week. But right now mm. I am rewatching season one of Roni and Ugh. talking about it on Fridays. So oh my that's God, I f- need to come on a Friday up. That's a fun oh, little diversion. They're mostly solo ups, but you know, you can, you're I mean, f- free pass anytime. Um, much like Jill on Girls Trip. I'll just sit there while Eva's on the radio. I just want to sit and be a part of it. You don't can, need to watch. Me. I just can I watch? A, I just want to be a friend. Um, yeah, so that's a lot of fun. Um, I did see, I rewatched season one of Vanderpump Rules around the end of this past season and that was really fun so now wow. i'm doing doing roni as like a, a little rewind oh my God, that's moment so fun um and you can follow me at dylan hafer on instagram and you can follow at bravo by betches for housewives and, and things incredible guys have you signed up for the uh andy scrolls patreon number one way to support the pod you get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more i am recording a satchel spectacular this week satchels of gold named in honor for holiness kelly Clorin ben simone are your thoughts and feels questions and concerns about all things housewives and more you can send them to me by 
sending me a DM. And I love a really, really deep dive. So take up space. I love to read them. And please include your first name in town. It may be shared and unpacked on this upcoming Beth Rachel Satchel Spectacular. So join the Andy's Girls Patreon and you can listen to that episode at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. And Dylan, thanks so much for coming back. C'est bon, c'est bon. Thank you. (laughs) And on that note, guys, thanks so much for listening. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.